But now we don't have any value. It's a death sentence. Uh, so long-time listeners will know that about a year and a half ago, uh, me and Langdon, who isn't here today, by the way, um, we read what we thought was the worst book we could possibly read. That was Supermarket by uh, the rapper um, Logic, a.k.a. also known as Bobby Hall. Um, like, just absolutely sophomoric, um, like, teenage-level writing. Terrible plot twists you could see coming a mile away. Just a absolute garbage. Constant references to Rick and Morty for some goddamn reason. I had no idea. But we finally found a book that beats it. At least I think so. Um, the book you may have heard of by now. People have been working really hard to make sure you know about this book. It's been everywhere. It's called Fuckboy. That's F-U-C-C boy. Because, you know, it can't be it's brave, but it's not that brave. Uh, it's by a guy named Sean for Cornrow. Uh, this is it's his first novel. He got a six-figure advance, but I don't think we need to talk about that or even about him because I don't want to like be one of those like jealous of people getting huge advances, guys. Uh, I think the book speaks for itself. Um, so with me today is uh, Phoebe Roy. She's a, a fellow podcaster, a person of uh, pod. Uh, Phoebe, can you just introduce yourself and where people uh, can also hear you? Hi, yeah. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to talk about Fuckboy because um, I'm now banned from talking about it in my house because my my partner doesn't want to hear any more uh, any more extracts because I sort of took to kind of follow him around the house reading books out um, at him and oh, uh, that, made, that made him that made him very unhappy uh you can it, it, yeah it you, can, you can hear my other podcasts um uh one of them is uh, 10,000 posts which is a podcast about uh posting and online and digital and how everything is posting it's really good by the way thank you very much and uh, my other podcast that I, that I co-host is Masters of Our Domain, which is a podcast about Seinfeld. I've never listened to Masters of Our Domain because I've never watched an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, it's me... not like you'd think that that would be more of a barrier to entry than it actually is. Um, but quite, quite a lot of our listeners uh, still have never seen a single episode of it. They simply come for the riffs. Is, is that normal to have not seen Seinfeld? I feel, I feel, I feel it's like something like never watching The Simpsons. Mm. That, well, like it's, it's not something that people do. It's something that everyone has seen at least once. I've literally never seen an episode. My, uh, my co-host Milo Edwards um, had never seen it before we started doing the podcast. That was the kind of original conceit that he had never seen it and I have seen it all many, many times. Cool. But like I say, um, 10K Posts, very, very good pod. Um, uh, Hussein is a friend of the show. He's been on here to talk about his book a, while, a long while back. Um, nice dude and a great host. And yeah, you on one of the episodes, you mentioned this book. I, I, could, I could feel that you had like a pent up... <laughs> 
uh, need to get something yeah. out in in the internet uh, meme sphere mm-hmm. about this book because um yeah like coverage of it so far apart from that one gawk article has all been fawning um mm. the right-wing magazine unheard seems to love it it seems to um believe it's killed all the terrible literature out there mm-hmm. um the guardian loves it uh it's I'm not going to put too much stock in press stuff of it because it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's being put out by a pretty big publisher. They're not going to, um, they're not going to be particularly honest about how just abject this book is. Mm. Uh, so could you, like, let's just start with like, what happens? What is it? Could you give us a little like okay. synopsis of Fuckboy? Okay, so uh, so Fuckboy is, um, I suppose it's somewhere it's somewhere between a kind of stream of consciousness and kind of adult bildungsroman. I, I that's how I would that's how I'd kind of cautiously describe it. It's the uh, first-hand account of uh, the authorial spokesman who uh, who has the same name as the author which is something that uh, no doubt we can go into and mm-hmm. it's about his life and his thoughts and feelings and attempts to uh, join the ranks of the creative classes um, in the aftermath of a apparently a devastating breakup and um, it's written in um it's written in a style which i can only describe as emetic these very 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 short sentences which kind of hover uh, in this sort of interesting trench-like space between deeply pretentious and so simple-minded that when I started reading it, I wondered if it was a joke. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's kind of something that is the the crux of the problem with Fuckboy. So if you go on Amazon and are going to buy this book, it's... Uh, the like description of the book calls it a fearless and savagely funny examination of modern masculinity, or mm-hmm. masculinity and late capitalism. So, I mean, fearless is probably the least accurate description of any novel ever. Mm. This is like a book written by someone who's terrified of being found out. Mm-hmm. Like it is so cowardly. Mm. Like every everything is layered under a thousand like blankets of irony and double speak. Mm. So you can't really ever call him on anything. You can't say this is badly written because he could always turn around and say, "Ah, it's supposed to be badly written." I, uh-huh. the me in the book is uh, is really stupid. If you call uh-huh. him misogynist, you can he would say he's simply examining this. Uh-huh. It, there's so much like hedging of all his bets on this. It's um, like uh-huh. real, yeah, it's cowardly. It's, it's cowardly. yeah. I think I think cowardly is such a good way of uh, such a good way of describing it because um there's quite a lot of and i I don't know anything about the author there's not a criticism of the author's 
character about which I know nothing. Um, it's um, it's like a, it's a very specific aesthetic matter that there is this um, there is this deep authorial vanity that runs through it, which um, which undermines any attempt to say, well, no, but you're supposed to think he's stupid or you're supposed to you're supposed to kind of raise your eyebrows when he gets things uh, in in places kind of disastrously and, infe- and offensively wrong you're supposed to think that it's just a kind of commentary and an examination and a, and a sort of step back from um, from misogyny from um, from lack of responsibility for from treating other people as disposable uh, but he can't quite bring himself to keep that aspect of the character going and that's something that I would have been convinced by had it not been for this extraordinary scene towards the end where he in a very self-congratulatory way rescues a woman from her abusive boyfriend which completely Mm, undermines any sense that you might have had that it's supposed that it's supposed to have a deliberately slippy and uh, slippery and imprecise morality and that's not something which I think is which I think is necessarily a bad thing it's 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 something which has kind of fallen into the critical mindset where everything has to be evaluative and as opposed to uh, can be judged on a kind of number of different aesthetic factors. But at this point, I think imprecision of morality is fine, but you have to keep up that imprecision. And mm. um the, and the, my main takeaway from like from it was was imposition of morality is fine, but imposition of reference isn't. And this is written very, very much like tweets were written in two thousand and seventeen, and that's mm. part oh, yeah. of the problem of publishing lead times. If you're trying to write something which is so urgent and so contemporary, it reads absolutely stupidly. <laughs> Um, by the time yeah, by the time it's published yeah i mean it's it's pre-written in i guess starting about 2017 maybe to 2018 Mm. but um yeah it it reads like some like listening to like teenage mutant ninja turtles speak Mm. it's (laughs) like this everything is is dated so horribly even the word fuckboy is no one says that anymore not, not, if, not, if, not if they're serious. No, no one says oh, that. Oh, yeah, exactly. No one says that anymore. And who even knows if this guy is serious? But, uh, yeah, there's... Um, yeah, it, it, it's dated horribly. Mm. Really, really horribly. Sad. And it's also completely unclear on um, on sort of what kind of person he's, he's, he's sort of supposed to be in within the logic set up by the terms of the novel. So there's, like, quite a lot of stuff about... Mm him using very using using lots of social media uh, there's lots of stuff about twitter there's a bit where it says that he that he uh, just like just sits down and records a podcast and again it feels like these are kind of these are references which are which are placed in to kind of sort of bring it kind of bang up to date but what it um what it ends up sounding like instead is that he is familiar with these things, but he's also like a kind of alien visitor to Earth, and is kind of in, and sort of is making these kind of inserts, but without any kind of real sense of how they either structure his life 
um, or how he kind of operates within within these kind of mediated platforms and and part of that is his working life because he is supposed to work for supposed to work for Postmates which is um, an American Deliveroo I guess is, is it is it like kind of American Deliveroo as far as I can tell that's what yeah. it is um, virtually exactly. I think they deliver more than just like um, groceries and fast food. They deliver like just stuff from stores. But yeah, it's, it's basically delivery. He's, deliver, he's a delivery guy. Mm. And that's sort of in there in order to uh, in order to cast him as a as a working class character. Uh, but that is um, again that is that's undermined by his repeatedly stated educational background and mm. his apparently middle class family background and so what is supposed to be what is supposed to be set up as a kind of I suppose almost like a kind of like a kind of Willie Vlorton um s kind of Kmart realism so it's like so he has to think in kind of more serious terms about how he's going to be able to continue to pay to live and this is not just a book about about somebody as like a member of the creative classes whining, but it's still a book about a member of the creative classes whining. And it's still oh, a book about how membership of the creative classes is a, is a necessarily transformative and elevating thing, which takes you out of being working class. Mm. And, and at the same time, he, again, hedging his bets, he, there's a, big piece of dialogue where he talks to a, I guess, a, some other writer or um, an, an older man who's very obviously got a lot of social capital, whereas he, um, Sean, doesn't. Uh, the older man doesn't understand what Postmates is, etc. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he, he goes off on a big um, rant at this guy about how, uh, you know, MFA programs are ruining uh, fiction. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That was just painful, painful moment that it um, is, yeah. And he's gonna write he's gonna write real shit from the streets, yo. Uh, yeah. yeah, about, yeah, there's about all the this grind stuff about and... how he is about how his because he's supposed to be writing um he is supposed to be writing a, a work of psychogeography at the time. Uh, that's like something which is kind of running as a thread through it. And he calls it his walk book because presumably at his as far as I can tell, quite well thought of and well healed liberal arts college they don't teach them the term psychogeography which cannot possibly be true <laughs> that cannot possibly be the case um and there's all this stuff about how he wants to write fiction for people who don't read fiction and i actually yeah, think that God. that's a laudable aim and i think that that's i think that if there's any lingering sense that that is what this is intended to be uh, I think it. Uh, I think it fails in that aim uh, quite mm. spectacularly. Yeah, and 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 it's another. Um, it's another barrier. It's another defence he has, which is, if so, if someone comes out with a bad review of this, well, they they weren't supposed to read it. It's for, mm-hmm. it's, for it's for the streets. But that's but that's yeah. what's so baked into it. What's so baked into it is the. Um, which is why I think that in a way it's sort of quite clever as a project. Is that what is baked into it is. Um, is the is the correct prediction of the uh, of the existential terror of reviewers and critics who are of a certain <laughs> class themselves 
uh, failing to understand it. Um, mm. And every review that I read of it, you could just you could just see this absolute yeah absolute abject terror of being accused of being old, of accused of being out of touch, of accused of being too middle class to uh, to understand uh, to understand this document of uh, this document of uh, working class creative life and. So with the stuff about how he's got his book and he's got his podcast and he's on all social media, you're spo- I think you're supposed to get this sense that he is, that he's got this kind of relentlessly kind of fizzing mind and he never ever stops creating. Uh, but it's just, it's 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 not it's not that it's not that mm. at all. And every single so so every single. Even the most, particularly the most kind of risable parts of it are uh, feel like they are geared to make critics seem elderly, and it's and I think it's very interesting that all of the critical, all of the critical work I've read, I've, I've read of it are people who are from people who I happen to know are uh, in their thirties and up, who are mm. um, uh, who are as a as a kind of cultural grouping very 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 afraid of being deemed to be old because people in their 30s uh, don't have any of the comforts of the people in the generation above but they're still deemed to be old by the generation below <laughs> and there's I nothing know. worse than being than being old but of course this this bloke is also in his 30s who uh, mm. the, well, the yes. character is in his late now. 20s but and he talks like and he talks and writes like somebody who is trying to, uh, who is trying to kind of create a sort of interesting kind of facsimile of how a young person who has grown up online and has grown up digitally and how they talk and how they think. Um, but it's all kind of 35 year olds sort of saying, oh, this is swaggery, this is blustery, this is urgent. <laughs> and I am mm. reading it and thinking, this is embarrassing, is what this is. This yeah. is very, very embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, he seems to not know that, like, if you were to write a book or, or TV show or literally anything and have a character come in and be like, yo, sup, my, my N words, <laughs> the white guy, obviously, um, yo, where's Bay at? We're on the grind, hustling and lit as AF. Like, that character would be the person, would be a joke character. Like, people, People who mm. talk like that in, in stuff are the joke character. Mm. And yeah, and yet these like uh, publishing professionals who greenlit this, the reviewers who called it brave and urgent don't seem to quite get that um, even in 2017, if someone spoke like this, you just tell them to shut the fuck up because they're just <laughs> annoying. Mm. <laughs> this, this, this isn't like... This isn't written in like a, a vernacular or a um... no no it's it's written like somebody who is trying to speak in how they think that well I, I suppose primarily if it's set in Philadelphia I suppose that he's supposed to be talking like how how he thinks how he thinks a black Philadelphian speaks yeah um, I, but I... he do, and he does sort of like again like this is what so this is what persuades me that it's not a joke and that it is meant in earnest 
is that every so often he does try to kind of grapple, uh, sort of grapple with with these, um, with with these questions. Um, and there is, I think, the only really good bit of it is there's a there's a bit where he's talking about his um, his Japanese heritage and his and his white heritage, and he's talking about. Uh, he's talking about the funeral, like the Japanese funeral of a family member, and that bit's sort of quite, actually, quite lovely and quite subtle. And then just, just it, it's over so so quickly. It's just a tiny mm. paragraph, and then he's back to, and then he's back to railed on some Molly dog, and then listen to <laughs> Starboy. And it's like, first of all, first of all, my friend, Starboy was like a mainstream pop song in 2017. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about listening to Starboy. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get much clout by, by going on this, like, multi-page rant about Lil B. Everyone knows Lil B. He's like a, a pop <laughs> yeah. star. It's like yeah. not knowing Michael Jackson. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, um, I want to talk about, like, the his, his political views as, a, as exemplified by this book in a minute. Yeah, let's do but, it. Um, but, uh I think let's, we should, let's uh, dive into that. <laughs> oh yeah, because it, it it gets messy. Getting, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a, he's got he's got he's got some super interesting thoughts on um on, on Hitler, which I think are definitely worth <laughs> definitely oh, worth yeah. worth discussing. Yeah, there's um yeah, we're going to dive into swamp, but first let's play a little song for the folks at home. Um, you don't have to listen to this, Phoebe, because I, I, uh, you've mentioned one of the only things I know about you. It's like, I'm, I'm not getting like all um, parasocial here, don't worry. <laughs> but um, one of the few things I know about you is you like sad music. and I don't th- just like sad music. I like, I like happy music as well. Okay, well, give, give, give the folks at home some uh, ideas um, of what your, what your like, top, uh, what your oh. like, go-to songs are. Oh, God. So we can just judge you them um what would be my go-to song in what in in what capacity like what's my favorite know, like, song like well okay what, what what artists you into um what have i been who, what have i been good? listening to recently that i that i liked um i really liked the uh lost bitches album that's just come out which is a kind of instrument which kind of instrumental um uh instrumental kind of party album which kind of sounds like um, kind of, it sounds like a album of like Turkish animals covers, if you can okay. imagine All that. Right. That's the last album that I listened mm-hmm. to that I that I really liked. Um, I like honestly, I will I will more. I know this is a very annoying thing. So I will more or less listen to anything. I don't like. I don't mind being. I don't mind being like kind of recommended stuff. Um, I, I've been doing this thing uh, last year and this year where I listen to a new album every day. Um, oh, like like in February. Like, no, no, every day, oh, every day of the oh, year. Oh wow! Okay. So, um, so that's like impressive. so I've been listening to like all kinds of stuff that I probably uh, that I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have listened to under other circumstances. I really like the new um, Saba album, which just come out, which is a really really good like kind of melodic hip hop record. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, this won't be like any of that. Okay, fine. Um, 
This is a band called Sunrot from New Jersey. Um, they describe themselves as a compulsive post-noise power sludge. Okay. Album, out- cool. Uh, you don't have to listen to it. Don't no, worry. no, I'll no, no. I'd like to. I'd like to. Okay, well, well, I guess you got to listen to the show then. This is how I increase uh, listening figures, by making the people who are on it listen to it. Oh, okay. But, uh, or you can just go to Bandcamp or SoundCloud and yeah, listen yeah, to some rot, or one word. Um, so they just got signed to an, uh, a record label called Prosthetic Records, who we talk to about a lot on here because they put out like just wall-to-wall great stuff, a load of bands who have been on the show, loads of bands we just like. Uh these guys are cool as hell. I haven't listened to a ton of their stuff, but um, what I've heard, I, I like a lot. And so this is a song off a, an EP that's just, or I guess a single that's just come out called 21%, um, which is about where you'd get to in Fuckboy before you just totally give up. And um, yeah, it's cool as hell. And the B-side is this weird little ambient noise thing that's... Is, uh, if you're into that, you're into that. But here's um, 21% by Sunrock.
So that was Sunrot, uh, new to Prosthetic Records. So they're going to have an album out soon. And we'll hopefully be playing more of them pretty soon because they're uh, pretty, pretty cool guys. Um, good, good Twitter users as well. They're good at posting. Um, we always have a problem on this show because so many bands in the whole of metal world are it turns out they're Nazis or paedophiles or Nazi paedophiles. Or both, yeah. Why not? Way, way more common than people think is to just be a Nazi paedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, but some rot are good guys politically. They're, they're, they're decent. So we can give a hearty, although provisional, thumbs up to them as political actors. But here with Phoebe Roy talking about Fuckboy, the book that everyone's talking about, but also, no one's really talking about because they're too scared. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about this, the politics here. Mm-hmm. Because it, 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 although it, um, it hedges its bets with virtually everything else, I think there is a political through line here. I think it has, it has some politics. It does, uh, yeah, it, it will tend to obfuscate them like it does with most things, but... Uh, yeah, he he uses the term woke a lot, mm-hmm. like way more than uh, people would have used it. He um, there's a lot, a big old thing about feminism in here. There's constant talk about uh, men being uh, alphas or betas or simp's or based. It's um, it's not an identifiable stream of politics, like you'd say conservative or socialist or narco-capitalist or something. But it, it's basically like Joe Rogan politics. Mm. That's what I put it as. Populism, if you're going to be, if you need to put it in a particular category. Um, although, yeah, he, his... So d- did you get an idea of, like, what this guy believes? Like, maybe just a character, but I don't know what Sean Corn for Cornrow, the real person believes. Uh, well, I'm not, again, I have no, I have, I have no idea. I mean, there's a, there, there was, there was to me, um, a, yeah, a very kind of sort of Joe Rogan-esque, because he talks about Joe Rogan, he talks about listening to Joe mm. Rogan. And I think that there is kind of, sort of currently and presently, I feel like there are sort of two, sort of two strands of uh, sort of Joe Rogan commentary and there are there are people who a bit of critical Joe Rogan commentary I mean not not of his fans but there are people who seem to be falling all over themselves to be as unbothered as possible by uh, the platforming of some of the guests that he has and then there are people who are quite alarmed and uh, by the by some of the guests that he has and tend to and tend to respond to that sort of sort of quite hysterically and i think that there is a like like running like running throughout the novel but it there seems to be a uh like it's almost it's almost a kind of sort of trap within the text which is inviting you to become hysterically critical of some of the stuff Mm. that he says because (coughs) that in itself is supposed to prove his point and oh yeah that yeah, and that and that's kind of because uh, I don't I don't I don't I I don't I don't personally believe that Joe Rogan is either a fascist or a fascist sympathizer. I think that he is 
not a very smart guy who um who has formed who has formed the understanding of how how one presents a nuanced and balanced argument, which is you just let anyone say whatever the hell they like and you don't really challenge them or criticize them. I think that's what mm. he thinks is is that's what that's what nuance is, that's what balance is, that is what yeah. ha- sort of having a kind of broad intellectual church. And that seems to be seems to be the kind of the the, sort of the characteristic of this novel as well. So so for example, his feelings about feminism are um, are interesting because he because uh, there's one point where he says, and then I just got to thinking about how much I hate neoliberal feminism, and I, and so I thought, okay, um, I am interested in this in this aspect and in this aspect of of the novel because I think that the uh, neoliberal uh, co-opting of of feminism has been overall very very damaging and has been very damaging mm-hmm. for for women, um, and I yeah, think definitely. it's a I think it's a false bill that. A lot of a lot, a lot of kind of young women have been have been sold, and so I was interested, particularly <coughs> since this novel has so been marketed and pushed as a corrective to kind of female dominance in kind of current literary fiction, um, and it's the book and it's you know it's the book about masculinity to uh, to act as a kind of counterweight to all of the all of the books about about flawed women and flawed narrators and whatever, you know. Also, for God's sake, I have, a, I have an unreliable flawed narrator. It's not 1995. <laughs> like, we do, I, it, it's so odd to me to be so completely dated in everything about it. So it's dated in its language. The language is from 2017. It's dated in the style of narration. That's from the 90s. It's dated in the kind of, in the sort of Douglas Coupland-esque, um, sort of stream of consciousness. What does it mean to tell a story? What does it mean to insert oneself into a story? I mean, people were making fun of authors writing themselves into novels in the 1970s. Like that yeah, was something that was a joke is, 50 yeah. years ago. Auto fiction is everywhere nowadays. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. like, it, it's, 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 Sort of method of working if you're not if you don't really have uh, the skill to kind of pull it off. Uh, but so he so he says like he's thinking about how he hates liberal, neoliberal feminism, and so I think okay well I'm actually interested in what a book which is purporting to address um, masculinity and, and to address the gap of masculinity in fiction, and what he comes up with is there's a kind of confused self-pitying screed about his former partner having a termination and there's a thing about how if a man's life goes off the rails there's nothing he can do if a woman's life goes off the rails she can always be a nanny and Mm -hmm. I and this is this felt to me like one of the many many traps with which the novel is is strewn so it's it feels like it's daring you to say what the fuck does that mean mate but <laughs> i but i'm gonna you know i don't i don't, I don't care like you know, like dare me i'll say it what what genuinely what is that supposed to mean because he is supposed to, he presents himself as somebody who maybe he gets stuff wrong but he is always thinking he's always trying to understand 
um, in the way that Joe Rogan has found claims that he is. That he's always that he's always got this kind of sort of sort of thoughts kind of sort of thoughts per, sort of percolating, and it doesn't occur to him that it's actually really only a very very particular sort of woman who would be able to fall back on fall back on nannying work, mm, yeah. um, and how incredibly complicated that is by class, by race, by um, by in the states. Um, by felon status, if you have ever been in trouble with the law, you are not getting no job nannying. And it's an, and it is a just a tremendously misogynist book. Mm. And I don't buy the insistence running through it that like, oh, but that's because you're just not thinking. That's because like, you're like engaging in like knee-jerk groupthink you're you've been you've been you've been you've been infected by the kind of by the woke capture of the institution so you're just sort of trotting slogans out without actually thinking about it that's why you talk about the gender pay gap that's why you talk about this one and you're not actually thinking about anything but that's not but that's not the misogyny of it the misogyny is in is in the self-pity of this Mm, of this character it's not in the um, disposability with which he writes about that because none of the women have names; they're all they're mm. all Bay, um, yeah. which again ex Bay editor Bay is so on is yeah it, it, that's an easy thing to pick up on which I'm again sure it, again it's a little it's a little it, it's uh, twenty air trap <laughs> yeah mm. um, so that so all so all the women are, are Bay and they're all more or less interchangeable for a book which is supposed to be about a fuckboy there's very little sex in it which I think is really interesting um, mm. it's a it's a very, uh, it's actually a very prudish and prurient book. It's, it's sort of quite kind of disgusted um, by by women, and it's and there's lot and there's like a kind of again pretty much the only good and interesting bit is this kind of body horror uh, element that's running through because <laughs> because he oh, has yeah. this terrible um, uh, autoimmune eczema condition. Mm. Um, yeah. But, uh- yeah, sorry, go ahead. I mean, that, uh, that uh, terror of women is, in it, is, comes through a lot. Uh, the whole idea of being a simp mm. and, or beta male, being too, uh, too feminine. He talks about the whole alpha-beta divide and how uh, betas will just dismiss that there is anything to the idea that uh, men can be divided into alphas and betas. And they do that as a, as a move to deny their own betahood. Mm. And not just because it's unscientific garbage, but the, the creator of the whole alpha-beta thing in Wolves spent his entire career trying to refute. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of a, a book by... Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, one second. A book by uh, Klaus uh, Fewerlite. Uh, I don't know. It's called Male Fantasies. Oh. It's a, it's a two, um, two volumes, uh, huge books, like 500 pages each, composed of interviews and like extracts from novels by men from who were in the Freikorps in 1930s Germany. So like the guys who would go on to become Nazis oh. and invent, uh, yeah, proto-fascists, basically. And it's so weird reading their, the way they think about women 
and the way they essentially look at women as this like abyss that men can fall into in the same way that Sean in the book does. Mm. That, that you could just get so into a woman that you can lose yourself completely. Uh, whereas you know, his idea is basically bros before hoes. It's, you know, mm. um, consider the, how this would look to other men before you consider uh, doing anything with women, like being too in love with them. Um, he talks about uh, a men's rights, uh, like a pickup artist, men's rights kind of guy, talking about a, um, what's it called, uh, one-itis, as in like, you meet a girl, you believe she's the one for you, and that clouds your judgment to the point that you lose yourself as a man. Mm. And yeah, this this is, this comes up tons in like, yeah, proto-Nazis. Mm. And I'm not saying that he has a is a Nazi because again, like Joe, like Joe Rogan, it's way more complicated than people are simply fascists or whatever. Yeah. But because uh, this is like a very common thing today, like men talk about thoughts and being simp's and calling another man a simp is the uh, like greatest insult you can possibly uh, throw down on another another man. Yeah. And the, the only way I mean, not it, the it, only way not to be gay is to exclusively spend time with other men. Yeah, and and when you are having to spend time with women, you do it in a way that other men would approve of. So you don't uh, you're not too kind to women. Uh, you don't think about them in um, their pleasure in bed. You don't think about virtually anything. You think you think about your your, your homies. First and foremost, and that's and that's what these Freikorps guys were doing. They would write uh, biographies and then mention their wives like in a paragraph, and they'd mention their horse for like six pages. Mm. Because you can talk about your horse. That that's that's cool. You, you can't talk about your wife or or women, or and you can't even like like um, you'd think these guys would be. Um, so I've lost my trail for now. Um, yeah, you think these guys would be like ratch racking up um, notches on their bedposts and talking mm. about like, you know, I fucked like a billion bitches, yo. Mm. But um, they don't because they don't want to see be seen as being controlled by the need for women, mm. the need for sex with even set for sex with them. Mm. It's um, yeah, it's it's a really weird common thing, and it and it still plays out today in how men talk to women online especially mm. it's um how they can be so hostile towards like um say only fans models mm. i mean you'd think a, a heterosexual male would be all in favor of only fans mm. it's something that gives something that heterosexual males want apparently but they are so insanely hostile towards them and that those men are generally in this kind of joe roganish mil milieu mm. where it's kind of at the furthest left is Joe Rogan um, listeners. At the furthest right is literal Nazis. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre thing. And it's kind of predicated on this idea that women can completely take you over, body and soul. Mm. And only the only good women are chaste, uh, basically trad wives. Mm. And, he doesn't uh, have... He doesn't seem to have... I mean, he has... Um... Some interesting, and I say interesting, um, he has some uh, 
thoughts about um, Sheila Hetty's motherhood. Um, and he gets kind of very sort of sort of bound up and wound up in the idea of uh, of having of having having children as being of a kind of a kind of centrality to a kind with a kind of femininity that he that he could approve of. Um, and then he kind of doubles back on himself and says that for Sheila Hetty, the, the book is her baby and then his book is his baby. But he doesn't, he doesn't extend that to his complaints about his former partner having, having a termination, which, again, if there had been a bit more authorial bravery... Um, that could have been that could have been quite an organising principle that the that the that this event uh, was what saw the end of this relationship, which is what has put him on this on this path of um, again. So with so with so with the with the drug scenes, they are they are kind of painted as. Both kind of hedonistic and self-destructive, but again, they're very prudish and prurient, and um, and they and they lead to they lead to this this apparently this terrible skin condition. Although it's not quite clear whether it's just sort of the way he lives that has that has resulted in this, or whether it's because he treats his body like crap, or what. Or it's it's sort of it's sort it's sort of not clear, and it's sort of not. It's sort of not thought about, but again, if you are going to have um, dubious morality as a kind of animating force in your novel, you've got to really go for it. So if he's got mm. if he's got a real problem with his ex partner having a termination, if what he wants to say is she killed their baby, then he's he's mm. got to say that. That's got to be there in the text. Yeah, and it's not, and it's just... not there. It's inviting you to be, to be kind of horrified and pearl clutching about what what he hasn't said. But the way that he conceptualizes he conceptualizes things, not unlike a kind of sort of a sort of spiked columnist, where the new pearl clutches are the censorious left, and so what used to be. A kind of you know shock horror at the idea of uh, of a woman having sex outside of marriage is now shock horror at the idea of a man having any kind of views about reproductive justice, but that's hmm. yeah, it's very um the the rock, conservatives and new punk rock kind of thing. Yeah, it's very conservative and new punk rock, but again, there's no there's no bravery to it. There's no like there's no kind of there's no sense that. He is going to he's going to make his character um, both kind of loathsome and challenging to liberal sensibilities. He just announces yeah, I, every I so often, "I am challenging to liberal sensibilities," hmm. but that's not yeah. but that's but that's not the result. And I think part of that is that is that really any kind of organising principle is obscured. By this very enervating writing style, and uh, and and by this kind of 2017 kind of little posters language, but again, mm. it's 
it's written like it's a kind like it's a kind of collaborative document. So like it's something that is kind of that he is adding to, that he is adding to, that he is adding to, like it, like a like a like a thread, hmm. um, or a blog. I mean, well, yeah, or like or like or like or like a blog. Um, Did you ever uh, read um, a blog called Hipster Runoff? It may be before your time, but it no. was big in like the. Uh, it, it's it's a, basically this exact um, style, but it's, it, it was a blog about music back in like the days when of like the Strokes and the yeah 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 it's that kind of I'm really dating myself here, mm. but um, it it I the 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 prose is identical to his like main prose style here you know, the like single sentence paragraphs. Um, slang just thrown in everywhere like the number two instead of to etc yeah it was like my first feeling was it, oh this is just like a hipster runoff mm. like novelization because it's it's so incredibly the same uh, i mean he's also been accused of um plagiarism by sam pink who's another author in this kind of like post alt lit yeah, uh, and 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 he's the, he's the one who shows up in his acknowledgements. Which I mean, I've got to say, yeah. I've got I, I sort of in a way I admire the I admire the uh, brass neck of um, stealing from somebody and then thanking them in your acknowledgements. I think that's <laughs> you know what fair play. And even when I started reading it, I was like, as if I had just a single hint that this is supposed to be um, an enormous delicious joke at the expense of the public publishing industry about which I have many, 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 many thoughts, um, then I would say absolutely fair play and take them, take them for everything, everything they have, because this is, this is very, this is very good. This is a very good and delicious joke, but it's so, it's so convinced of what it wants. It's so convinced of what it wants to be. It's convinced of its own charm. It's convinced of its, it's convinced of its irreverence. And it's not, mm. it's not irreverent because, as I said, it's 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 pieced together with, with sort of different, with different, and I'd say, dead, literary conventions. Um, yeah. I mean, if or if not dead, a, then certainly very much done. Yeah, I mean, he he talks about Tal Lin a lot in here, and I mean, Tal Lin's just had a new book come out, but it's he's not the hip young writer anymore for writing. Mm. It's this whole scene um i mean so so the background on the the, the production of the novel is uh, sean cornrow got the actual person got discovered by um giancarlo di trapani i don't know what his name uh, di trapania mm. who was the editor-in-chief of uh indie press called tyrant books who put out a hell of a lot of good good stuff over the years i've like covered other books by them on the show i really like some of their stuff and it it's kind of I wouldn't say it's similar to this because this has its problems, which we talked about earlier. It's 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 like what this aspires to be. It's what um, Tyrant Books puts out a lot. It's like young men who are working class, um, who are fucked up, who take a lot of drugs, and um, you know dealing with their lives. Like uh, the Sarah book by um, what's his name Scott McCallaghan is a, a, a like a really good version of this. Mm. Uh, Welfare by Steve, Stephen Anwell is a good version of this because mm. it doesn't do the things this does, where it's yeah, it's just cowardly the whole time. Mm. Those writers like are willing to have a character called Scott McClanahan 
by in a book written by Scott McClanahan, who is an absolute fuck up, and you you think you know from page one that he's a horrible person. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there's like a whole little like micro niche scene of people writing like this, and yeah. it was and never and meant con- to and be. It's convinced that there isn't. It's convinced that they're 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 the fir- they're the first to do it, which is um, oh yeah, which I, is ex- I bet extraordinary. The, I know it, it it's it's so um I mean. This isn't a million miles away from what, like, um, Philip Roth or someone. As mm. Philip Roth actually had sex in his books about sex. Mm. Um, I also no think this is quite it. insulting to the memory of the memory of Philip Roth. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, uh, not a million miles could still be like uh, like hundred thousand miles. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nine hundred. That's miles. yeah. That's true. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, there's always been books by men writing about being a man and writing about your dick not working and writing about being in love with women, but they don't like you back and so on. It, it's not like this isn't breaking any ground mm. in any way. And like you say, it, it, it doesn't even, it's not even shocking. It's I mean, it's, it's, break, it's breaking ground, I think in a sense for younger, for younger male writers. And I definitely think that this was supposed to um, sort of respond to kind of millennial women's fiction. I don't mean fiction aimed at women. I mean, mm. Fiction. I mean, fiction by um, by women. Some of the more kind of notable success stories over the last over the you last little bit. Sally, you could just say Sally Rooney if you like. I'm absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I hear if you say her name three times. In I will not years. say her name. Um, <laughs> pe- pe- people such as, uh, for example, a particular Irish author who we will not name. Um, and I don't, and what's so maddening about, about this and the experience of reading this is that I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think the, I understand the point of the, of the I only read female authors corrective and the, oh, just sick of hearing what, sick of hearing what um, kind of white men have to say for themselves. Um, which has now kind of resolved itself as a as, as as straight white men, which I think is a very which I think is a very interesting little <laughs> little flex because what it is is a kind of sort of, it's, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of um, progressive turn on segregation, but but like kind of cloaked up in kind of a language of kind of social justice. And I think that's quite it is an interesting <laughs> thing that people that people say, and I think and I understand the point of it as um, as a corrective and a counterweight. But I also don't. Uh, first of all, of course, the, the author is not the author is not is not white, so he can't. So you can't. So you can't get. You can't get him on the uh, on the spurious mm. racial justice ground. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't really agree with it. I don't really think that there's any real um, persuasive merit to the to the idea that 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 being a man limits your vision or perspective or um, creativity to the extent that it's that it's worth dismissing your work or not or not publishing you just as a, just as a result. I don't. I think that's. I think that's mm. mad, and I think it's. I think it's actually a great shame that a sort of generation of young male writers have been have been more or less tarred with the kind of Martinamis brush. It's sort of not. It's not. It's sort of not very not very fair that they should be 
that they should be sort of forced to pay for a literary culture, which quite often sort of took quite often was sort of established well before well before they were born, and and, and it also it also <coughs> ignores it ignores class and it ignores race. But I actually don't particularly think that there's any particular reason to reject something written by a middle class white man just on those just on those grounds and i i i find it i find it interesting to read about men i find it interesting to read about masculinity uh because these are things which are outside of my experience i suppose the argument is is that because it's such it's such a cultural infusion of men and male thinking and male writing and and sort of sort of masculinized culture that you know about it even if you don't have an experience of it but I'm still interested to read experiential accounts. I don't think that's like, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing if publishers are actively trying to look for work, which is exploring these matters. But this book is, 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 is simply not it. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their, their hearts were in the right place, but. Oh, um, no, I, 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 I'm not going to go that far. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, if you were to go purely by the big pyramid of books at the front of Waterstones, mm-hmm. you might um, be led to believe that uh, that uh, women and women, people of colour have an advantage in publishing, which is, again, like you say, just not true. I've, I've like worked in publishers, I've worked in um, literary agencies, they, they don't. It's just that the kind of books like this, I, like I've, I've read books like this in slush piles, and mm. they don't get published because they're shit. Like mm. bad books, so we don't publish them. Um, then you publish a, a great book by a, by a man, and it, but because it doesn't say it's the defining novel of masculinity and late capitalism, uh, we can still lie to ourselves about there being this terrible gender imbalance in book mm. in books. And yeah, and like I said before, there's a whole scene of guys doing this yeah. so much better. Yeah, it's not like and, it's not like it doesn't exist, and it's. And it's so it's it's such a kind it's such I mean it's such a cynical exercise, um, and particularly since it is a book which, if it had a mind to, and if it had the kind if it had the 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 skill apparatus behind it to make it a commentary on masculinity and how that relates to uh, either either class or how that relates to a working life structured by structured by mediated by apps there's 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 it, there's interesting possibilities in that and instead we get treated to uh pretty much the only proper long paragraph about how uh the reason that hitler founded nazism is because uh, this is what happens uh, when you kind of get suppressed, and when your work and when your thoughts and feelings get suppressed. And he's describing mm. reading Mein Kampf, and it's such a confused and confusing paragraph because he is describing reading a published book which is the opposite of your thoughts and feelings being suppressed yeah, it's, and it's yeah, also it, the it's opposite the of how thing, yeah. of how of how fascism originated and spread and operated it wasn't because 
there was a kind of even then uh, a woke inflected institution that were trying to suppress them and that made them and that made them cross so they decided to become Nazis and again this kind of illiteracy that's running through it you can tell that the, the kind of the, the the answer is no 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 it's supposed to be like that so make mm. it supposed to be like that <laughs> yeah I know it's like I say one of the very worst books I've ever read I mean, also, like, it's worth pointing out that no, it is, it's very boring as well. It's very, very oh, yeah, long. 100%. Yeah. So sort of by the time you're about like, halfway through, you are a bit like, okay, I get it. I guess it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, whole chapters could have just been gone and it wouldn't be any, it would be slightly better for it. Mm. And also put it, put in a Nietzsche quote at the beginning of every section. Come on, dude. <laughs> What's up with you? And... Yeah, the long streams about Heidegger, but that don't actually have any in, in, information in there that sound like he's maybe just read the Wikipedia page. Yeah, that's uh, good, isn't it? About like he's like bitching yeah. about people in his class at Swarthmore when he's been when he's been. It's something. It's something like when he's been like making the making the nighttime railing on Heidegger, and it's like this is just quite funny. Yeah. This is a funny yeah. thing that I'm being presented yeah. with as the. <laughs> the next thing in literary fiction. <laughs> I know there's there tends to be guys like that. Like like I'm I'm one of those horrible asshole MFA lit bros mm-hmm. or MA I should say because it is literally an MA. Um, and there, yeah, there there are some guys like that in in literary classes and workshops who no, think I've, that I've <laughs> yeah, you think that they've got the real real line. They're they're from the streets. They so they whatever crap they put out is automatically better than everyone else's yeah. and they've got a very self-righteous idea about it that is mirrored in like conservative politics about say this whole thing in canada right now with all the trucks how um, we're supposed to listen to the the real concerns of the working class mm. and yeah and you know we do a lot of the time but a those people aren't the working class and b they're if they were, then those ideas would be stupid, which is makes it good that they're actually not the working class. And mm. it's, it's the same deal with this book. It's very self-righteous and turning its... I mean, if you want to get into Nietzsche, talk about Zontemont, because mm. this is shot full of it. This is someone who's angry that he isn't um, seen as a genius and angry that, there, that there's other people on top of the ladder. So he turns his weaknesses into virtues. Mm. It's yeah, slave morality, dude. You you've got it. Mm. Um, but um, yeah. So folks at home, please don't ever read this book. We've made a huge mistake uh, <laughs> by, by reading this. Uh, if if it's a consolation, I bought it on Kindle, so I paid very slightly less of it, and he got like maybe uh, fifteen cents instead of like seventeen. Uh, so I, my conscience is clean for this. Uh, you sound like you've actually got the physical book. So no, mine's, you're, mine's, you're actually... mine's a review copy, so... Oh, okay, okay. That's, so um, I didn't pay anything okay, for that's it. That's fine. I'm okay. doing the real praxis here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, folks at home, don't ever read this. Unless you really... Unless you have to for some weird reason, like you need to know what not to write. I guess that's kind of its only value, or, or you need to... Um, 
Yeah, or if like Sean for Cornrow uh, decides to like shoot up a shoot a bunch of people like that other alt right writer who killed a bunch of people the other week. Um, Even then, I yeah. still don't think that that's. I don't think that's necessarily a, an impetus to to read it. Uh, well, I mean, if you're like a researcher, <laughs> might might, might be clarifying, but um, yeah. Yeah, this one is, thing um, that, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this subject before I before I uh, say say goodbye to you. Um, <laughs> and this is something that I do think is interesting, and that is there is a lot of uh, criticism about marketable young women writers and how that sort of it's sort of part of literary success that there has to be there has to be a kind of there has to be a sort of framework for uh, publishers' PRs to to send out to, to sort of send them out to get interviewed, and there are lots of pictures of them everywhere. Kind of um, depend like depending on what sort of writer they're uh, what sort of writer they're being presented as, either kind of smouldering or scowling, and uh, sort of like sort mm. of depending. Um, and it is absolutely worth pointing out that old the old uh, uh, Sean Thor Conroy. Um, is extremely picturesque as a as a young man, um, and whether well, there's he, a lot of nice pictures of this dude out there. I think he's, it, on, I mean, he's it, on the front cover as well. It's a it's a it's a nice it's like it is it is a nice picture, but he's also he's very he's 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 very be- he's very beautiful. I think, and I think it's so interesting to be kind of presenting him as a kind of as a corrective to millennial women authors. But he is being presented and served up like according to much the same, much the same logic, and I think that's, I think that's quite funny, and I think that's interesting. Mm, true, and all the uh, other authors who do this but better are fat slobs. Mm. Um, no one wants to see any of those guys. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, um, I could see how you know, he, him walking into a, a publishing house is going to get. Doors are going, more doors are going to open for a guy who looks like that than mm. uh, a guy who looks like, well, any, I'm not going to name names, but uh, <laughs> there's plenty of not particularly attractive authors out there and he's not one of them. Mm. So maybe he's got a, a career doing that. Maybe he can you know, be a, a male model or something. But, um, well, he, he does actually rap. He, um, he has a, a, a SoundCloud where he raps. So... Maybe he's got a career in that. I've n- never actually listened to a SoundCloud. He could be actually an incredible rapper for yeah. all, all we know. Yeah, he could be. Could well but be. Um, but let's just hope he never writes anything ever again. And <laughs> somehow he like contracts dyslexia, which should be impossible. But I hope he's the first person who um, develops dyslexia later in life. <laughs> but um, let's round off the show with um, some more music here. So we got... Uh, a band called Mares of Frace from my old hometown of Calgary, Canada. Um, these guys have been around a long time. I, I say guys, they're actually two women, I should say. These ladies have been around a very long time. Um, they're kind of hometown heroes in Calgary. They haven't released anything in 10 years. So it's kind of a big deal that they've come back with a new album called The Exile. And They've got a, the first song they've released on this is called Mortal Quarry. Uh, it's like not a million miles from their old stuff, but that's good because their old stuff was great. So yeah, check these guys out. And um, Phoebe, where can, just to reiterate uh, what you said earlier, where can people find you? 
Um, you can find uh, 10,000 Posts over at 10K Postpod on Twitter. Uh, you can find Masters of Our Domain, the Sign Vault podcast, over at Masters of Pod. Um, it, I don't really use my Twitter at the moment, but uh, if you would like to follow me, you can at PRH Roy. Cool. Uh, when, when she occasionally does use Twitter, she's good at it. So Thank you. For, <laughs> strong recommendation for that follow. Um, so next show, we're going to be talking about uh, Gretchen Falcon Martin's book, Manhunt. Uh, it's fucking insane. Um, that's the real fearless book here. Uh, that It's completely brilliant. It's grotesquely violent. Um, J.K. Rowling gets torn to pieces by um, zombies uh, because all the men in the world get turned by a virus into um, rape zombies. It's um, way better than I'm making it sound. Uh, Gretchen was, uh, has been on the show before. She's, she's brilliant. Uh, so we'll come back next time with that. Then we're going to talk about a book about eco-fascism. And yeah, we're just going to keep on, keep on going. So um, anyway, here's Mayor's Frace. Frace. <laughs>